Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. Now it's time to take a sports break, a look at sports history on a daily basis. Hello, my friends of sports history. This is Darren Hayes of the Sports Jersey Dispatch Podcast. Welcome once again to the Pig Pen, your place for all things great in sports history. And welcome to this sports break for April 29th, as we will talk about the events of the day in history that happened on April 29th. And we're going to talk about some great Hall of Fame birthdays, as well as some other people that uh, pertain to this date. And we'll visit all around the web like we normally do. But before we do, let's make sure you know how to get a hold of us. We'd love to have communications with you. You can email us, pigskin dispatch at gmail.com follow us on twitter at pigskin dispatch and facebook we have the pigskin dispatch page we'd love to hear from it you can email uh, you can hit us up on the dms on twitter or facebook hey we'd love to hear and uh love to have your feedback now let's get into this april 29th history and we'll start off on pigskin dispatch with football history for the day and on April 29, 1927, a man named John T. Riddell and his fledgling new company, the Riddell Company, developed the first football cleat. Now, according to the blog of EdisonNation.com's website, John Riddell taught mathematics, also serving as the head football coach and athletic director at Evanston Township High School in Evanston, Illinois, for the years 1913 through 1927. It's at this time that Riddell invented and developed a removable cleat right around the year 1922. During that era, football shoes were equipped with leather cleats nailed to the sole of the shoe. So changing the cleats due to inclement weather required the services of a cobbler to install longer tanks. Unfortunately, because Northwestern University used the same shoe as Evanston Township High School, Riddell's team football shoes were often not ready by game time. They saved the manufacturing for the big boys at the college level. Now, Riddell knew this idea would solve the problem for the masses, but lacking the needed funding to produce such a new product himself, Riddell had his shoes manufactured by the J.P. Smith Shoe Company, and he and his wife installed the posts and cleats in the evenings. John continued to teach, coach, and produce his shoes until this 1927 day, when, with the popularity of his shoes on an upward trend, he left his teaching job there to, for devoting his entire effort to producing the shoes. The John T. Riddell Company Incorporated was formally announced on February of 1929, and their aim was to create sporting goods that were innovative and provided protection and gave the best performance to athletes. It still stands today, making many of the items that you see football players wearing, including many helmets and uh, and other shoulder pads and other devices uh, still shown today. Now, there has been some other great football history in this uh, April the 29th date. And we look back in April 29th, 1980, the Detroit Lions made Oklahoma running back Billy Sims the first overall pick in the 1980 draft. He was a 1978 Heisman Trophy winner and was anointed as the big fish in this pre-draft class and Sims indeed was a very good player for the Lions. Fortunately some injuries shortened his career uh, but you know, we have a great uh, post on this as our football history headline of the day fixing dispatch with some more details. 
Also, on this day, 1981, uh, the South Carolina running back George Rogers became the first pick by the New Orleans Saints in a 1981 draft. Now, Rogers also won a Heisman Trophy for his outstanding All-American 1980 season with the Gamecocks of uh, South Carolina. And uh, he also went into the pros, maybe didn't have the career he intended, but uh, still a very good player indeed. Uh, also, some Hall of Famers uh, that were came out of this draft were Lawrence Taylor, was the second overall selection by the Giants. Kenny Easley, number four by Seattle. Ronnie Lott was the eighth pick by the 49ers. And uh, let's see, um, Mike Singletary with the Bears. Howie Long was scooped up by the Raiders. And Ricky Jackson of New Orleans Saints uh, became a very good linebacker there. And Russ Grimm with the joined the Hogs of Washington when he was a 69th overall selection. Another draft, 1986, five days, five years later, started off with Auburn running back Bo Jackson becoming the first pick by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And he, well, again, has a great story that we have all covered on Pigskin Dispatch. We'll let you read about that. A couple decades after that, we had the 2006 NFL draft on this date. Mario Williams, the brilliant defensive end of North Carolina State, was the first pick in the 2006 draft. And he was followed by Reggie Bush, Vince Young, and Trebikajaw Ferguson, uh, and with A.J. Hawk of Green Bay going to Green Bay from Ohio State, rounding out the top five. Now, we uh, also had the 2021 draft. It was held in Cleveland, Ohio on a rainy day, and Trevor Lawrence of Clemson was the very first pick in that draft. Now, with Hall of Fame birthdays and from the football world, in 1914, in Jacksboro, Texas, the fine TCU center from 1933 to 1935, Daryl Lester was born. He had a tremendous career with Texas Christian and uh, ended up going into the College Football Hall of Fame in 1988 and played a couple seasons with the Green Bay Packers until a shoulder injury set him back. In 1918, Detroit, Michigan, the wheeling and dealing ball coach that once attended Alma, Alma College, Marquette University, University of Michigan, George Allen was born. Now, George had stints as a head man for the Los Angeles Rams and the Washington Redskins. He had an impressive 12 seasons in the league as his teams posted a 118-54 and 5 record. And boy, did he love to bring in veterans to play on his teams. George Allen, uh, born in 1918, April 29th. So those are some great birthdays that we had from the football realm. Now, there are also some birthdays from other sports, Hall of Famers. How about Louis Apricio? He was born April 29, 1934, in Marciabo, Venezuela. He was a Baseball Hall of Fame shortstop. Uh, he played in the MLB from 1956 to 1973 for three American League teams, most prominently the Chicago White Sox, but also the Baltimore Royals from 63 to 67, and the Boston Red Sox from 71 to 73 as well. Well, speaking of baseball and baseball history, let's go to April 29, 1892, and Charlie Riley of the Philadelphia Phillies becomes Major League Baseball's first pinch hitter. Riley is also famous for another baseball accomplishment, as he was the first of two players to have four hits that included all at least one home run as he hit two in their first Major League game. 
1918, on the 29th of April, the future Hall of Fame center fielder of the Boston Red Sox, Tris Speaker, tied a career outfield record of four unassisted double plays. And in 1931, Cleveland Indians pitcher Wes Farrell, number 14, tossed a no-hit shutout against the St. Louis Browns for a 9-0 win. And Farrell had a brilliant 15-year career with the various teams in the AL and was uh, invited as an all-star twice during his career. In 1953, on April 29th, Milwaukee Braves' Joe Attic, who wore number 9, is the first ever player to drive a home run into Polo Ground center field bleachers. That's quite a shot from what I understand in that ballpark. And we have more baseball as we love to go to some of these great sites. And one of them is This Day in Baseball. We get a lot of inspiration from them we, that we love to share with you. And they have you know dozens of items each and every day during the baseball season of some, some great history. And uh, you know one was kind of interesting that I found from April 29th, 1913. And it says, wearing White Sox uniforms, the Reds are defeated by the Cubs 7-2. to two. At Chicago's West Side Park. Now, you see, Cincinnati had forgot to pack uniforms on this road trip and had to don those worn by their opponents' crosstown rivals, the White Sox, who were kind enough to uh, let them put on their duds for that day. Kind of interesting. Fits right into jerseys. Um, also, uh, 1922, the New York Giants hit four inside the park home runs at the Braves field. Uh, George Kelly hits a pair, and Ross Youngs and Dave Bancroft both hit one apiece as the Giants defeat the, and win the game 12-3, uh, uh, and they beat the Braves that day. Uh, we have the Pirates and the Phillies in 1934 become the last two major league franchises allowed to play home games on Sundays when the Bucks beat Cincinnati 9-5 at Forbes Field in Pittsburgh, along with the Phillies dropping an 8-7 decision in Brooklyn at Philadelphia's Baker Bowl. Games on the Lord's Day are no longer prohibited in Pennsylvania because the state modified their blue laws. Legislation which formerly prevented such events are now abolished. And uh, we know that uh, the NFL was allowed to put professional football teams 1933 uh, season. So it only makes sense. The blue laws were lifted for all sports in the state of Pennsylvania back then. So there's plenty more uh, to look at for this April 29th on this day in baseball.com. Uh, you make sure you look at their days and uh, you know support that site because they have some great stuff there another one that we love to go to is our friend jay daniel and his 80sbaseball.com and boys he's got some good stuff there from the 1980s in the mlb now one thing he has is he loves to call out the birthdays of 1980s players but he also has some big days for some great players and on april 29 1980 the Brewers hit seven home runs and a 14-1 win over the Cleveland Indians. Ben Ogilvie and Sal Bando each hit two, and Larry Hissel, Sixto Lizarano, and Paul Molitor each had one dinger over the wall. Now, on the 29th of April, 1981, it was Steve Carlton became the first left-handed pitcher to record 3,000 strikeouts. And uh, what a pitcher he was. That is jdaniels80sbaseball.com. Make sure you check him out. Give him some support and love, too. And our third stop on a day is NBA.com. We have a couple great uh, basketball 
items from you know, professional basketball. And uh, you know they have a bunch in there. But we love these two because there's some great Hall of Famers in this. How about April 29, 1970, the Los Angeles Lakers guard Jerry West hit a 60-foot desperation shot at the buzzer to tie Game 3 of the NBA Finals against the New York Knicks. In overtime, however, the Lakers scored only six points, lost the game 111-108. to in April 29, 2011, behind by 31 points, an 11-rebound game from Zach Randolph, the Memphis Grizzlies defeated the Sandy, San Antonio Spurs 99-91 in Game 6 of their first-round series. With a victory, Memphis ousted the number one seeded Spurs, marking the first time a number one seed lost in the first round since the 1999 playoffs and that's your sports history for today we thank you for joining us we hope you join us each and every day for some more great sports history and birthdays of hall of famers until next time everybody have a great sports history day sorry but my pitching coach just called timeout he's coming out to the mound i think i'm going to get yanked for a reliever we'll see you back tomorrow for some more great sports history on sports jersey dispatch podcast we invite you to check out our websites, jerseydispatch.com and pigskindispatch.com. Not only see the daily sports history, but to experience the preservation of great events and people that play the games. Find us on Pigskin Dispatch. It's also on social media outlets of Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel. Get all your daily sports history. Pigskin Dispatch is happy to be associated with the Sports History Network, the sports headquarters of yesteryear, found at sportshistorynetwork.com. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Each week, the official Football Learning Academy podcast will take you deep into the history of pro football through interviews with players, coaches, or administrators in the NFL, as well as interviews with Pro Football Hall of Fame selectors, authors, and historians You'll learn how the game evolved and important moments that shaped the sport into what it is today. And don't miss the Pro Football History Nugget of the Week. Listen to the official Football Learning Academy podcast on the Sports History Network. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.